Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! So welcome to episode 80 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobo. Peter Jones is with me tonight. No Todd. Peter, how are you today, sir? Doing really good. Doing really good. Just three and a bit weeks away from the draft. So getting more and more excited by the, by the hour. But yeah, doing really good and it's good to be here. You look pretty good considering you've been working 24-7 on the UK NFL draft guide that should come out very soon. So, you know, even though you're, what do they call it? Burning the midnight oil. That's it. Still looking good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So thanks to Rhonda at RNM Management. Thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. And thank you to Dan and the folks at Bob Anderson Builders. I think I said it last time that Bob Anderson will be our sponsor for not the swear jar, but for the ad revenue. So they are going to pay two cents for every time someone listens to the average cheese in season three. So that's pretty cool. I think we had about 4,000 listens in season two. So hopefully we'll get that up over five, 6,000 this year and we'll make some money for our new veterans outreach of Wisconsin. Glad I got all that out of the way. You can find us at AVG Cheese on Twitter, which you know this. You can email us anytime, avgcheese at gmail.com. And someday our website will look like a professional did it, www.avgcheese.com. Let's talk football. Episode 80. Well, of course, when you think of number 80, there's, there's two guys aren't, in Packers history that immediately come to mind. Martellus Bennett and Jimmy Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's what people thought you were going to say, Peter. Just saying. <laughs> okay. Martellus um, Bennett. Not a bigger <laughs> asshole in the league than Martellus Bennett. Let's do James Lofton and Donald Driver then. How about that? I like that better. How about, how about that? You like my second choices better then? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, James Lofton was that, was that guy that look, we grew up on as, as the Packers' outstanding wide receiver and you know, in that period when he played for the Packers from 78 to 86 would have been his last. He not only was a great player for the Packers, he was one of the very top receivers in the whole of the league. So whatever else was going on on that, on that Packers team, whoever was thrown in the ball, and fortunately for most of that period, it was it was Lyd Dickey. But, you know, when Dickey was injured, it would have been David Whitehurst. And after Dickey retired, it would be Randy Wright. Whoever was throwing the ball to James Lofton, that guy was a super productive wide receiver and surely one of the best all-round athletes that's ever played for the Packers. Wasn't he like a long, tri- triple jumper or long, long jumper, jumper or something? Okay. World-class long jumper. So I think I think it was 78 the year he was drafted. I think that's the year that he had the longest long jump in the world Wow, that year when he was at Stanford. So that's the kind of super athlete that, that he was. And of course, even beyond his years with the Packers, with the Raiders, with Bills, you know, went to all those Super Bowls with Buffalo. You know, the guy was was still 
still producing. Uh, it was the first receiver in league history to to get to 14,000 yards. And I do believe that he's still the oldest receiver in league history to, to have a 200-yard receiving game. So way, way at the, you know, towards the end of the end of his career. I don't know. It's just one of those guys that would catch passes and turn short passes into touchdowns, would catch long passes down the field. You saw him running reverses and scoring on reverses. He did it in the playoff game in 82 when they when they made the playoffs. Just one of the the great receivers. One of the great receivers in NFL history, never mind about Packer history. And he did it for a very long decade, time. A decade and a half. Yeah. You know, and, and broke all of the Packers receiving records which of course would eventually in turn be broken by the next number 80, Don, Donald Driver. Different type of play, you know, Lofton was a first round draft pick out of Stanford. Driver was a seventh round pick out of Alcorn State. Wasn't expected to make the team, but was a, you know, was a super hardworking guy. That I think through pure hard work, persistence and whatever else became, again, you know, Clearly, through his numbers, you can see it. One of the best receivers in, in Packers history. You know, we're fortunate to have all of the game film of Driver's career. And there's that great catch he made against the 49ers. Catch and run against the 49ers when the Packers were wearing one of their throwback uniforms. That's one of the great plays, in certainly in recent Packer history. Very nice guy. I think everybody says that about Donald Driver. I got to meet him in his, his rookie season after, after practice one time. All he did when I spoke to him is he wanted to talk to me about London. <laughs> Kept asking nice. me questions about, 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 You're the superstar. about London. I think, I think, well, I think he couldn't believe that there was this guy that talked strange that was over there watching, watching them practice. football. Yeah. You know, super nice guy. And of course, he has that, the great story about the way he was brought up and, and stuff. I mean, what can, what can you say? Two different receivers, but both of them have been Two of the greatest receivers that the that the Packers have have ever had. Lofton, obviously, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Donald Driver probably won't make the Pro Football Hall of Fame simply because the volume of wide receivers in the league these right. days who are making hundred plus catches a season now is kind of the norm, you know, right. for a top for a top receiver, which wasn't the case in in either of their days. But two great great players. Episode eighty, an easy one, not the Jimmy Graham episode. Fuck Jimmy Grant. Clown. I hope he's still with the Bears next year. That would be great. Just so I can make fun of him. All right, so let's talk football. So we always do slices, and I don't have too many slices today. There's not a lot going on in the NFL or in Packerland. There is something I thought was relatively interesting, because we have talked about Daniel Snyder in the Redskins slash Commanders slash football team world. Dan Snyder has done a lot of crazy stuff and he's been the owner of that franchise through, I don't know, I don't call it sketchy behavior. There's been a lot of rumblings. There's a lot of sexual misconduct stuff that's gone on with the football team and the NFL has, I don't want to call it circled the wagons, but they have kind of just like, okay, let it go. Dan Snyder is not actually running the football team, quote unquote. His wife is. I'm sure that him and his wife never have any conversations about the football team and how it's being run. Like, what a farce that is, right? Oh, you can't run it, Dan, but your wife, who never ran a football team in her life, is going to run it for you. Anyway, I guess Dan Snyder has not paid into the league. Like, NFL teams have to pay money into the league when the visiting teams come and that kind of stuff, and he has not paid that money According to Pro Football Talk, 
And if it is proven that Snyder and his team did not pass 40% share of the ticket revenue from each game to the NFL pool, that would be the death knell for him as an owner. Forget all that other stuff. But if you don't pay us our money, you got to go, Dan. It's an interesting situation, but so that 40% ends up the visiting team. And, and in fact, you know, put a pack of slant on that. That was one of the reasons that Bob Harlan put up all those years ago when they did the, the Lambeau Field renovation back in the early 2000s. But the revenue that they were generating to go to the visiting team was beginning to be a problem in the league because they weren't generating enough. And that was one of the reasons. So, you know, that 40% rule has been there forever and i think that it's just bizarre to me that there's not some automatic process that makes that makes that happen rather than by the sounds of things it going into the particular franchise they then have to pay it out because that's what this sounds like now i don't understand the process i don't understand how any of that stuff works a very bizarre situation if that's what's happening yeah like do they just take a brinks truck and drive it from the washington stadium and drive it to the nfl office like how the fuck does that get there (sighs) There should be some kind of electronic funds transfer that happens automatically, right? As part of the NFL? No, the In NFL. <laughs> you'd think. I mean, I can send you money right now through Venmo if I wanted. <laughs> I'd assume that the yeah, NFL yeah, has please, some please, sort of please, pro- please, please do while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of process for the NFL. 40% of whatever you're getting, Dale, send Our, it by. Send it your way as a, yeah, as part of the agreement that we had when you started talking to us on this podcast. I have yet to do that. I will lose my so 40, 40% of two cents, right? That's right. I don't know what that is. I can't do with the math. Eight. I don't know. Never mind. Math is hard. Numbers are hard. I just think it's interesting. It's like we were ta- what we were talking about before we started recording. Al Capone could kill a bunch of people, but when he didn't pay his taxes, that was it. Now you got to go to jail, Al. It's the same thing with Dan Snyder. Like, no, Dan, we don't care about all that other shit you've done, but we do care that you didn't pay your fair share of the taxes to the NFL. That's going to get you lost as an NFL friend. Anyway, I thought that was interesting because it seems like the Redskins slash football team slash commanders have come up often on our podcast. They can't seem to get out of their own way. Speaking of Redskins, the rumblings are that Terry McLaurin might be not the chopping block, but the trade block. He's a third year guy out of Ohio State. Pretty good player, considering he has not really had a quarterback that has done anything. He's in the final year of his contract this year. If you were to trade for Terry McLaurin, first of all, would you? And if you would, what would be the right amount of draft capital? that you would give for Terry McLaurin? Well, you know, he was drafted what, in, the, in the third round back in yeah. 2019, 19. I, guess, I, guess it, I guess it was. So if it were me, this is more of a principal thing right now where the, the Packers franchise sits. I wouldn't trade for a wide receiver. I would use the draft picks and pick wide receivers. And my thought behind that is that we know that Aaron Rodgers is probably going to play for two years, maybe three years. What I don't want to do is get into a situation where the Packers picking up wide receivers who are hitting free agency either before the time that Rodgers does or at the same time. I'd rather have drafted guys who are coming in on four or five years deals that bridge Rodgers retiring, assuming that's what he does in a couple of years' time, and a new quarterback coming in. So a new guy coming in in, let's say, 2024 is working with receivers that have been there for two or three years and are well into their NFL career rather than 
us looking for having to look for new receivers at the same time as looking for a new quarterback. If you were to sign Terry McLaurin to a contract, I mean, if he's a third-year guy, so, you can sign him to a contract that would stretch out past Aaron Rodgers. That makes the assumption that the trade would have to come first. They would have to trade for him, and then, and that makes the assumption that you're going to get that contract done. And I, I think that's always a risk. That's fair. So let's say you would. So you said you wouldn't. The other day, Devontae Parker was traded to the Patriots, which I thought was a little bit interesting, trading within the division from Miami to New England. And within that trade, it was Devontae Parker and a fifth-round pick, and then the Dolphins got a third-round pick back in return. I would say that Terry McLaurin being younger, and I think he's a better player than Devontae Parker. I'm just trying to think, like, if you equate that and you look at the Adams trade, and Adams is a much better player than Terry McLaurin, but he's also, what, four or five years older than him. So there's something goes into that, too. What is Terry McLaurin worth? I'm going to say he's probably second or third, maybe. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely fair. So I think you got player in McLaurin that's had 2,000-yard receiving seasons, very nearly 3,000-yard receiving seasons. And, and yeah, you're right. You, you're trying to equate it to other guys that have moved. So, so Parker's won. But then you look at like Amari Cooper, who went for a fifth round pick to the Browns. I think for a young guy like that, a very productive guy, has been very productive, as we said, in those three in his three years in the NFL. It's a second or a third round pick, probably, isn't it? If you made that deal. I mean, I mean, if I was Washington football team and I was looking at moving on from him for whatever reason, you'd want a minimum second round pick, I, I would imagine. You may not get it, but I think that would probably be your starting point. In fact, they might ask for a second and a sixth or something like that as their starting point. They're not going to get a first round pick for him, I wouldn't have thought, particularly this year, particularly before the draft, with all of those receivers that are going to be there in the in the first round of the draft. I don't think anybody's going to give up a first round pick when I can I can get a Jameson Williams or I can get a Chris Olave or whoever whoever your choice in receivers is in the in the draft, I don't think they would get a first rounder at this time at this time of the year. I would totally agree. I mean, you look at this guy, and this guy is produced under some real adverse circumstances, right? He's played with some very bad quarterback play. And with that, yeah. having those guys throwing to him, you put Aaron Rodgers throwing him the football, you would have to think he's going to increase those numbers exponentially in the first, yeah, first year. Yeah, absolutely. But again, you know, if, if I'm the Washington football team the commanders yeah unless there's something going on behind the scenes that we don't know about why would you be looking to move him on because your team sucks (laughs) that's why it it it, it does but you know let's say also play in the east so you can suck and still make the playoffs out of the (laughs) east you know and you know i've I've just picked up a a new a new quarterback who's going to need all the help he can all the help he can get it just doesn't that that just doesn't make sense to me I'm with um, you. It doesn't make sense on their end unless he is very upset with the organization yeah. for whatever reason. And if he is, I would give up a second round and a sixth. Or they've got a million picks in this draft to begin with. They got a bunch of comp- compensatory picks later on in the draft. If you give up one of those, or did they get a fifth or a sixth for Lindsley? I, I don't remember what it is. Fourth. But it, what was it? Fourth. Four. I don't know if I'd give up a second and a fourth, but if it's a second and a fifth or a sixth, I think I could get down with that. You're getting a guy that absolutely plugs in as your number one on day one. I just think think it's interesting. There's a lot of movement you don't expect. Like that's not an NFL thing. Like NBA guys move, Major League Baseball players move teams. They trade guys all the time. 
the NFL, this is a new thing to have current players being traded. Absolutely right. And, and, and I don't know really what's driven that other than, you know, we've started to see quarterbacks move more this year. And then I think just that naturally has drawn other teams into, yeah, it has a knock, has a domino effect, a knock-on effect, because teams start getting draft picks that they didn't previously had. Now I can deal with those draft picks for a player that I otherwise wouldn't have traded for, et cetera, et cetera. Assuming that the Packers are not going to get a guy like Terry McLaurin, do you think that they will look deeper into the well on the free agents, because there's not much out there. There isn't anybody, in, in my opinion, there's nobody worth a shit out there that I want in a Packer jersey. You know, Todd loves the Jarvis Landry thing, and I, I'm just not sold on Jarvis Landry. Is he a veteran guy? Sure. Is he great? Mm, he's fine. But if I'm going to get fine and overpay for fine, I don't really want that. I'd rather the Packers drafted two guys in the first two rounds or what are your thoughts on that? What what do you do there? And then if in two part question, what do you do? And then who do you like in the draft? Who would you who do you do you see the Packers getting? Yeah, I mean, I think other than the guys that you could possibly trade for, so McLaurin that we've talked about, DK Metcalf, although I I wouldn't trade for him, but that's that, but that's just me. But you could I could understand somebody making a case, but I don't think there's any guys now in free agency that, that they should be making a big move for. And again, part of it is is kind of a, sometimes I live in this football utopia that says to me, for whatever, if a guy hits free agency and his current team doesn't want to re-sign him, does that raise a question as to how good that guy is? Because if he was really good, you'd re-sign him or you'd franchise tag him or whatever. You'd you do allow him. You wouldn't allow him to hit free agency, would you? You'd, you'd at the very least, you'd trade him the year before he hit free agency or, or whatever. Like I say, that's a kind of football utopia because guys do slip through their net. They do hit free agency. But generally speaking, you know, you're picking up somebody for whatever reason wasn't wanted by the pre- wasn't wanted by the previous team. Now, some of that would have been financial. Sure, I get, I get that. But I think once you get past that first group of free agents the question you always have to ask yourself is is the guy that i'm signing better than what i've already got on the team and if he is it's significantly better so it'd be one thing about trading for mclaurin but when you or, or a metcalf but when you look at some of those free agents that are available i realize adams has gone and i realize right now we're sitting there with alan lazard as, as the number one receiver and with randall cobb as the number two probably i kind of get that but the Packers are going to draft receivers, right? So so then I'm into the stage. Now, actually, what I'm now comparing a free agent that I sign with potentially one of my draftees or potentially with Lazard and Cobb, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. There isn't a guy out there for me in free agency that, that I would sign. I look at this list. I'm looking at Spotrack right now. I only have the available guys that are left. The number one available player, Julio Jones, 615 years old. Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller, who has been like rumored to the Packers for years and years and years when he was a Texan, T.Y. Hilton, also geriatric, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, A.J. Green. It's a list of guys past their prime. And I understand the, the need or the want or the wish to have some veteran receivers, but that's why they signed Randall Cobb. And I know he's a different player to most of those guys. Other than Cole Beasley, I guess that would be the similarity in that list. But he's a different player to most of those guys. But even so, that's that's why you, Randall Cobb was brought back. 
as the veteran leader of the receiving group, if you like, once Adams have moved on. There's none of those players on that list. You think, yeah, I've just got to go out and sign that guy. Julio Jones is going to want silly money, even yeah. though he's, a, he's not coming on your veteran's minimum salary, is he? Nobody should, because that guy can't play. I wouldn't want him back at the veteran minimum. Jarvis Landry, according to Spotrack, his market value right now is $12 million. I'm out. Like, there's not a chance in hell that I want that guy on the roster for that kind of money. Which then leads to, you have to draft guys. Pull out your crystal ball, Peter. You look at the draft. Let's say they're going to draft two guys. Do you think they're going to draft two guys? Assuming that nothing happens in free agency or trade-wise between now and the draft, then yeah, I think they draft two wide receivers. Not necessarily both in the first round, right? So maybe one in the first round, one in the second, one in the first, one in the third. They may even one in the first and then do some jiggery-pokery with their with their picks in round two or three to get up up in round two to pick the second guy. But I do think somewhere in those first three rounds, they'll end up with two receivers, yeah. I hope that they do not make any moves. <laughs> Meaning, I love that they have two firsts and two seconds. And while, okay, because I think there's value in quantity also in this draft. You can get a guy at 22 and maybe, what is it, 53 second round, where you can get guys that can play. Devontae Adams, second round pick. Jordy Nelson, second round pick. Randall Cobb, second round pick, I want to say. You know what I mean? There are guys that can play in this league. There's a lot of good guys you're getting out of the second round. And more often than not, we've seen a lot of those first round guys bust. Who is it? If you had yeah, your no, druthers, who is it? You're absolutely right. You can add Greg Jennings to that list of second rounders as well, by the way. <laughs> um, Our friend well, Greg I Jennings, friend of show. <laughs> So I think this is an interesting draft of wide receivers, right? So for the third year in a row, it's it's there's a lot of excellent wide receivers coming out and it's and it's very deep again. What there isn't this time around is a Jamar Chase, who was a top five pick, upper upper echelon wide receiver. Everybody knew that he was going in the top five. And so while there were five or six guys that you thought would go in the first round as wide receivers last year, they had this top, top guy. This year's the slightly different case where you've got potentially, I think, six wide receivers that could go in the first round and one or two others that people are throwing in there to make seven or eight. Now, eight won't go in the first round. That's not going to happen. But as many as six could go. But those six are somewhere between 10 and 28 in the draft. So there isn't a top five guy. And I think that because you've got, let's say, six players in that group of about 18 picks, in my view, there's no point trading up and wasting some of your draft collateral to move up and get one of those guys because I don't think there's a huge amount to choose between those six. That's the point I'm trying to get to. What you do have in those sticks is slightly different players. It may be about what type of receiver that I'm looking for, but if you're somewhat satisfied of just picking the best receiver available at the point you draft, then I stay where I am. You know, and, and I think that Garrett Wilson's off the board by the time they pick. Drake London's probably off the board by the time they pick. But the other guys are, potenti are potentially in play. So I think that Chris Olave's in play. I think that Jamison Williams is in play. I think that Traylon Burks is in play. I think Jahan Dotson of Penn State is in play. And you can throw a couple of other names in there. The other one that's gaining a lot of traction recently, Christian Watson, North Dakota State. I don't think he's a first rounder. I think he's a second, he's a second round pick. But again, you know, if he's sitting there at 28, you may think, 
he's not going to fall to me at 53. I might take him at, at, at 28. And I'm talking about Watson. He's a big guy, 6'4 six, six, guy, kind of fits the mould of your typical Packers receiver, putting Devontae Adams to one side. But you look at the other guys, the Lazards, the the MVSs, the EQs, the type of receivers that they typically draft are these big 6'4 guys. So Watson kind of kind of fits fits that mould. But I think any of those names are in play for the Packers at 22 and, and 28. And, and I'd be happy to sit there and wait for whichever, whichever guy's full. Very politician-like answer, Peter. You did not answer the question at all. <laughs> what, what was the question? I spoke the question for so was, long. Who I, do you pick? I, I spoke for so long. I spoke for so long, I've forgotten what the question was. <laughs> it's like a presidential debate. Let's say the top two of those guys are gone. If Wilson's gone and London's gone, which they probably will be by the time the Packers pick at 22. But if the other four were there, I'd pick Jamison Williams. Because I think, yes, we've got the injury to talk about. But I think that if it weren't for the injury, he's the number one receiver in this in this draft. And I think that you potentially get the number one guy at 22 if he's there. That's the no-brainer pick. I'm not certain he'll drop that far. His recovery reportedly is going well from his ACL injury. He's expecting to be ready for training camp. But I don't know that it will drop that far. But for me, if he does, that's that's the guy I take. George Pickens has also come into play, and in the, in the Packers had him in recently, also had an ACL. The difference in speed between James Williams and George Pickens, I think Pickens ran like a 4.49 four, or 4.49. Five or something like that. Four, 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 seven combo. Four, four, seven. Sorry, thank yeah. you for that. I just worry that a guy. I, I guess that was after his knee injury, though. May get faster, right? I mean, he may. They always have like the scar tissue and all that that has to kind of yeah. fall away from that. So he might actually be faster. What are your thoughts on George Pickens? I think he's a second round pick. Again, he's another tool guy. He's about. 6'3", really slim, not a 6'3", 6'4", 220 guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's 6'3", and under two, under 200 pounds, okay. which kind of doesn't quite fit your typical Packers mold. But let's put it this like this. If he's there at 53 in the in the second round, and I've only picked one right receiver. Yeah. I mean, I'll be running that card up as fast as I could run. And that wouldn't be, and that wouldn't be 447 <laughs> in the 40. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I absolutely would. He's way removed from that ACL injury, which was a year ago. I absolutely would take pickings, good speed, tall, as we said, really good hands. And he's one of those guys that seems to catch everything that's anywhere near him. So what I call that catch radius. He's catch got a radius. great catch yes. radius. Described him as having an enormous catch radius that's nice. that's how big is that's how big his catch <laughs> radius is it's enormous um, <laughs> the only downside i think to Pickett's, if you put the injury to one side the leanness of his body and his ability it's not a strong receiver i guess is what i'm trying to say it's not a physical he's not a physical guy so i'm not sure that he could play your Devonte adams x receiver against press man coverage i don't know that he can release from the line but other than that i absolutely would take him and i like the thing to remember when we talk about guys potentially they can't do this and they can't none of them are perfect they've all got something or they'd be in the top yeah. five like jamar chase right right you know and and you know it's no football players perfect even if they've been playing in the league for 15 years you know or 10 years or whatever they're, they're, there's always going to be something it, and I think it's also it's important to remember that it's horses for courses. So a Chris Olave, for example, who's 
not dissimilar to to Pickens. He's faster than Pickens, and he's and he's and he's not quite as not quite as tall. But he's not a physical receiver, also. So it's not dissimilar to Pickens in that in that respect. But then you make sure in your offense you don't ask him to be. That's the important thing. It, let's not have square pegs and round holes. Don't ask guys to do things that they're not comfortable or not great at doing. Get them doing the things that they are great at doing. If you put your historian hat on, then what was the knock on Devontae Adams? I'm trying to think. I can't off off the top of my head. I can't. I can't. I can't really remember. I mean, I know he dropped a lot of balls as a pro yep. in the beginning, but I don't know that that was the rub on him. Maybe it's just because he was coming out of Fresno State and he was on so, the West so, Coast and the you know smaller college guy. Right. So 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 that was one of the things that I was I was going to mention. I think that's spot on. I think what what happens is you get a combination of things. You can get away with more stuff if you're coming from a big from a bigger school. You know, I'm not trying to knock Fresno State or whatever, but in comparison, it's not a power not a power five school. So I think if you have one or two other things, and then you say, and he also played out the on Fresno the West State. Coast. Yeah. yeah. So I am looking through Devontae Adams' combine number. So this is awesome, right? Looking back at this stuff in this revisionist history, his prospect grade was a 6.40, will become a good starter within two years, which is awesome, right? Now he's like top two in the league. He ran a four five six forty. That's pretty slow. It's, it's slow in, in today's age. Bench press 225, 14 times. Vertical jump 39.5. That's pretty explosive. 123-inch broad jump, 4.3 20-yard shuttle drill. I'm sorry I keep going back to the wide receiver hole, but the Coach LaFleur in a press conference said, we need more speed in our wide receiver yep. room. Jamison Williams. Yeah, so if you can get Jameson Williams at in the first round, do you think you have then answered both the MVS role and the Devontae Adams role? I think in Williams you've kind of got a mixture, but I don't think you re- I don't think you're going to re- obviously replace Devontae Adams. But I think if take Jameson Williams, I'm still taking a di- I'm still taking a guy in round in round two because I don't think it answers all your issues. No. So is that guy a possession guy or a speed guy, or are you just looking for another all-around guy like you got in Williams? I would take a uh, an all-around guy. I would take whatever guy they think is the best receiver on their board at that time. I would be loath to try and one-for-one one replace what you've lost. I would just say, let's take the best two receivers that we can get. They'll fit our offense. I'm not going to replace Devontae Adams, right? So let's let's not try. I actually don't want to replace MVS other than I want the speed. I want I want somebody that can take the top off a of defense, can go deep. But there's a lot of other stuff in... in you know, I think in the first round, you're looking for, for somebody who's going to give you potentially more than what you've previously had. I'm looking for the complete guy in the first round. I need him to be able to do more than run in a straight line. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, I am. Because you're not replacing Devontae Adams, but you have to replace the type of player that he is because you can't have the, you got to have the full route tree from somebody. And if you look yeah. at the roster, you don't have that guy right now. You got Alan Lazard, you got Randall Cobb and a bunch of guys, Amari Rogers. You need a complete receiver in my mind. I saw that the Packers had Tyquan Thornton who ran the fastest uh, 40 time at the combine out of Baylor. They had him in for a visit today. I'm guessing he's more of a straight line guy. If you're running a four two eight, you are that MBS type guy. Yeah. According to 
I won't ask you what it is on your draft guide. I want to let that out of the bag. But according to this article, he's a day three guy. Let's say you get two guys in the first two rounds, whatever picks they end up being. Do the Packers, do you as the Packers GM go back to the hole again and look for a guy like Tyquan Thornton? I think if Thornton was there, so so yeah, he's a third, he's a, he's a, he's a day three guy for me, for me. But yeah, because I, because I think that speed kills. I think it's the same at any position or any any sport. You can teach technique, improve your hands like Devontae Adams did with the Packers. There's lots of stuff you can learn, but you can't learn speed. I think that having that deep threat gives you the ability to do a lot more stuff underneath. For me, yeah, I would go back to the willow and I would pick a third guy. Even if he turns out to be your exact replacement for MVS, well, picking that guy up in round four, five, six, whatever it is on the on the on the third day, you replace you're replacing like in essence like for like. It may turn out to be a lot better than that. Four two eight is incredible speed. Thornton's a little bit more than just just as just a speed guy. He also returned returned a few kickoffs as well, by the way, which wouldn't let's which go. Wouldn't, which would <laughs> which wouldn't which wouldn't go amiss for the for the for the Packers. But my yeah, guy I mean, I, my favorite guy now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I absolutely would go back to the well. They've got they've got eleven picks in this draft. Even if they spent three on wide receiver, so let's just say one in round one, one in round two, Thornton in round five, six, four, four five, whatever, yeah. whatever it is. I've got I've still got eight more picks. I've still got another first rounder. I've still got another second rounder. I've got third rounder, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this is not like the draft when they picked up MVS when they drafted those three wide receivers in. EQ and Jamal yeah, Moore. That's right. You know, in in consecutive rounds, you know, this is this is a draft where they've got eleven picks, multiple first and second rounders. Yeah, do it. Absolutely, absolutely, do it. Which wide receiver do you absolutely hope the Packers don't pick? Like there are guys. I, I have one, but I'll let you go first. What guy do you not? That's hot on the board. That's probably a top. I don't know, fifteen wide receiver maybe first three-round guy, which guy do you hope the Packers stay away from? If I'm really honest, I don't have one, just because I, I guess I spent a lot of time accentuating positives in guys because I try to, as I said before, there's stuff that every receiver, every player can't do, but I tend to get far more interested in the stuff in the stuff that they can do and accept that there's going to be things that, they, that they're not capable of doing. I'm, I'm not going to ask, a, hopefully ask a guy to do stuff that he can't do. I'm not going to ask Chris Olave, who's never blocked in his life to suddenly come in and come in on in line like Alan Lazard does and try and be the second Alan Lazard. That's not going to happen. I don't really have one, but I'd be interested in yours. I think I might be able to guess who it is, but really? Okay. Well, here it goes. So, you know, I was big on Amari Rogers. That was a guy I absolutely wanted in that draft and we got him. I was super excited about them and I still have a little bit of hope. You know, he saw on Twitter, like he's never felt better. He feels like he's the best thing. I worry that Traylon Burks is Amari Rogers Jr. Did you know that's what I was going to say? <laughs> yep. He just reminds <laughs> me of that slow, slower, bigger bodied guy. We don't need another slow, bigger bodied guy. Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. I can't remember what he ran at the combine. I think it was like a four or five, something four, like five, that. five, something like that. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. But that's the guy that I hope the Packers absolutely stay away from in every round. <laughs> Let him be picked by somebody else. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he's got, you know, he's he's going to somebody in the in in the first round. So he, you don't have to worry about him if he if if we get to round two, he's 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 gone. 
But again, you know, as you've just described him, he is what he is and gives certain types of offense certain things. Like you say, he's a big-bodied guy, 6'2 and a bit, 220, 225, 230, depending on what day of the week it is. He's going to catch a lot of passes over the middle. Will make a lot of yards after after the catch because it's difficult to bring down. Makes a lot of contested catches. That could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing, depending on how you want to. You know, he will battle corners to make those catches. But he has to. The other, that's how I that's, see it. That's that's the other way of, look, of looking at that because he doesn't get a lot of separation. I think you're looking at a certain a certain type of guy. Now, the question you ask yourself is for teams with multiple picks. Do I look at two different types? So if I've taken a Jamison Williams, do I then consider a Traylon Burks because he's a different type of receiver? The answer don't is know, no. Don't know. Okay. <laughs> the answer is still no for me. You know, I, I have we beat up on Amari Rogers and the fact that he didn't really do anything offensively last year, but I will also put that on the floor in the offense. I feel like you have a Debo Samuel type player in Amari Rogers, and you are not giving him the opportunity to do the things that Debo Samuel does. No, no, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. So players like that, like Burks, different body shape and everything to, to Rogers, but players like that who do a lot of their best work after the catch, you have to get the ball in their hand. Alave is a completely different player, but you have to be able to. Again, it's horses for courses, but you have to be able to run the plays and run your offense to make the best of what those guys give you. You're absolutely spot on. I tend not to have too much of a problem with, with who they draft, but I tend to have a problem with, do I then use that guy in the, in the way that's most effective? Put him in a position to make plays, I guess, is the way of putting it. And they absolutely did not do that for Amari Rogers. The other thing I want to talk about was tight end. I've seen a lot of this and it kind of brought back the bad memories of David Bakhtiari and him trying to come back from a knee injury. We've got Tanyan coming back from a knee injury also. Different body, but actually yeah. as a lineman, you don't have to be as nifty as the tight end. The tight end has to make moves in space. There's a little bit more lateral stuff that they have to do that I worry that if Tanyan can't be the guy that he was or even 80% of the guy that he was previous to his knee injury the Packers are going to need a tight end for the future so that's the question for you if you are the Packers and you are going to draft a tight end let's say in round three four like they did with the Guara is there a guy there that can make an impact now i think there's a number of guys that can make an impact now and I, and i agree with you i think the tight end position is a concerning one for the packers even if tonyan does come back to full strength i think the issue i have tight end position for the packers is that living it year by year tonyan's had one fantastic year been injured following year gets a one-year contract mercedes lewis Surely is going to retire at some point. Soon. At some point, right? He can't play until he's 100. <laughs> right. So, so the guy's 77 years old and just, yeah, it's going to, <laughs> he's, he's, going. He's, got, he's got to retire soon. Desire de Guara gives you a certain thing, but he's not a traditional tight end. And again, or hasn't been overly productive for the Packers. Done a good job, but hasn't put up 40, 50, 60 catches a, a season. So I think at some point they have to try and I don't know whether, whether I want to go as far as saying solve the tight end problem but they've got to improve the tight end room Position. and they've got to yeah. 
They've got to look to the to the future and try and get a guy that's going to be there for the next three or four, five, six, seven, however however many seasons. Is there a guy? I think the tight end group's very deep, right? So there, so there isn't a guy that ought to go in the first round. Trey McBride might sneak into the first round, but I think once you get into rounds two, three, four, even round five, there are 10 guys that could in that spell. Now, they're all, as always, they're all slightly different. You've got your kind of move H-back tight ends. You're kind of similar to DeGuara. You've got more traditional type tight ends. And the guy that I like in, I don't know, round three-ish, Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina, I don't know whether he fits the Packers' typical mold because I think in Lafleur's offense, they look for a, a blocking tight end first and a receiver second, and I think likely is the other way around. He was a, a wide receiver in high school, converted to tight end. So he's about 6'4", 6'5", about 250. So he's nice size. He's not 260, but he's 245, two, you know, getting on for 250. Isn't is a decent blocker, but not the greatest blocker. But I think he's probably the best receiving tight end in this in this draft. So I, I think that's the guy for me that if he was there in round three, yeah, I absolutely would spend that third round pick on Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina. What about the Wisconsin kid, Jake Ferguson? I mean, late, later than that. Yeah. And why? Yeah. So he's, I don't know what Jake Ferguson's measurables are. I have no clue how fast he runs or whatever he did at the, well, I don't even think he was at the combine, but I'm sure he was at their pro day and did something there. Jake Ferguson has done nothing but produce in the big 10, make an argument why they wouldn't pick Jake Ferguson. Is he the same thing? He doesn't block well enough. He's a pass catcher before he's a blocker. No, I think for, I think Ferguson's probably is an all-round tight end, and I think he probably blocks as well as he catches. In fact, I think he's probably underrated as a pass catcher. I don't think he necessarily gets gets the due that that he deserves. I guess that typically when you look at tight ends higher up the draft, you know, in rounds two or round three, you're looking for a guy that's going to catch your 60 passes a season. Yeah, and I guess in this day and age, trying to find the next Travis Kelsey, the next George Kittle, that that guy. And I know that there aren't many of those guys out there, but I think that's that's what teams are typically looking for. I think that some of the other guys, like a McBride, like an Isaiah Likely, are more likely to be that 60 catch guy a season than, than, than Ferguson is. And I think that's why Ferguson's further down the draft than potentially further down the draft than those than those guys. Will he do a solid job for a team that drafts him? Yes, absolutely. Anything else you want to talk about? I feel like we've talked about pass catchers the entire time, which is okay. <laughs> I mean, call this the wide receiver. You got anything else? No, I think I think that's about it. We've talked receivers. We've talked tight ends. I, 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 mean, I think there's a general principle for the Packers. I think we'd like them to pick up receivers in the draft if they don't sign one between now and then. But, but I also think they're in a great position with, with those picks where Providing they get the receivers at some point in the first three rounds, they can use those other picks simply on the best player available at any position other than quarterback and running back at any position that just happens to be there at the time that they pick. You know, if that's a defensive lineman, if that's a linebacker, if that's a corner, if that's a tight end that we talked about, if that's an offensive lineman, whatever those positions, any of those guys would do a job for the Packers. 
couple weeks from now. We'll see how it goes. It's gonna be so, three long night. Yeah, are we gonna do we're gonna get on and just watch the draft together from four thousand miles away. <laughs> yep. All right on. All right. So thanks for listening to episode 80, the James Lofton slash Donald Driver episode. Go pack go. Go pack go.